well, Mark Miller is Canada's fifth Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada in almost eight years of the Liberal government. He has a lot on his plate. We are a country with an aging workforce that requires immigrants, but we're also a country that remains skeptical of our immigration and refugee levels. Uh, Mr. Miller has also inherited a ministry that continues to deal with backlogs in immigration and refugee applications. Uh, Mr. Miller is in Vancouver today, uh, where he has been speaking to various service provider organizations, newcomers resettlement agencies, and during his Western uh, swing, he also hosted a citizenship ceremony as well. Uh, he's met with well-known local organizations like Success and Mosaic, and along with North Shore uh, Minister uh, Wilkinson, Jonathan Wilkinson, he was at North Shore Impact as well. Uh, Minister Miller, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Josh. Happy to be on. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, our numbers first and foremost. Uh, in 2025, our immigration levels will hit 500,000 immigrants. Uh, in 2015, when the Liberals were first elected, uh, our immigration levels were at about 300,000. Uh, add to that international students uh, and uh, many other uh, ways to get into Canada. Um, what do you think our immigration levels should be at? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head pretty well, Joss, in summing up the state of affairs. When I was a, when I was born, there were about seven workers in uh, in the economy for every retiree. Now that number is closer to three. So, um, you know, I face a number of challenges. One is generational and trying to make sure that if we want the country that has is defined by our healthcare system, defined by the broad services that we provide as a country to people, mm-hmm. um, we need to have a, a, a workforce that that is vibrant, and that goes through immigration. I, you know. For reference, well over 90% of the workforce increase last year was driven by immigration. The gross domestic product increase uh, is driven by immigration. So um, in my mind, we can't afford to reduce it. Uh, people often get spooked by numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's totally understandable. When you ask people where they would want to cut, there's never any clear consensus. Um, when we look at the levels of people coming into Canada and that 500,000 number, that's composed 60% of people that will increase you know, have a net increase tomorrow on the gross domestic product of this country. So if you ask people if you want to reduce that, they'd obviously say no. Uh, And then parents, grandparents, spouses is another category that occupies about 20% of that. Um, Obviously, uh, we want people and families to to maintain that that nucleus that that, that, that keeps their mental health and the stability of their children Mm -hmm. uh, and their economic prosperity sound. Um, And then there's another category of uh, of unknown, in in a world that is increasingly uh, characterized by uncontrolled migration, asylum seekers driven by war, famine, um, the effects of global warming. Uh, I'm jumping over a few uh, really generational challenges that we're facing. And that number hit, hit about 100 million worldwide. We all see scenes of, of our uh, partner countries in Europe facing uncontrolled migration. Mm-hmm. Canada is the envy of the world. Uh, and what we've done is something that uh, is somewhat novel in going out and getting government-assisted refugees. We've opened our hearts to Ukrainians facing a nuclear aggressor in Russia, uh, to Afghanistan and Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll acknowledge that, and, and no one would fault us for it. We've opened up our hearts, and, and well, we should. But that has had repercussions on the system that yeah, you're identifying. And that's, and, 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 and that's what that's I'm saying. Line. Yeah, and, 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 I, and that's what I'm saying. I, there's no doubt you're talking to an immigrant and a son of immigrants. So I get where you're coming from, uh, uh, but we're also in the midst of a housing crisis in our major cities and th- even our smaller communities as well. In 2022, we had a million residents move here. I think 607,000 non-permanent residents, 437,000 immigrants. Um, would you consider, or is the government considering reducing 
that number. And, and look, I, I'll be the first to acknowledge we need 2.1 children per family uh, in 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 uh, in uh, this country, and uh, just to sustain our population, I think we're averaging about 1.4 children per family. So immigrants play a, a vital role in that. But there also is you know a, a thinking in this country that look, there's just too many coming too quickly, particularly. Uh, in the midst of a housing crisis that we need to, you know, tap on the brakes here for a little while uh, and sort of rethink our formula in regards to how many we're allowing in. You know, I won't sit here and, and question the impact of volume. Uh, it, would be, it would be ludicrous to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, what I do ask myself is, can we do it as a country? The, the housing crisis existed when I got into uh, when I ran for, for Parliament in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't hitting folks as hard because interest on debt was pretty much free. Uh, right now, everyone's feeling that. Um, there is a very human tendency to, to, to blame one source uh, over another. This is The housing crisis in particular is something that has been uh, a generation in the making, about 30, 40 years. And successive governments, regardless of their political stripes federally, have, have not done a good job in addressing this. Uh, we... We started to do that. We put a dent mm-hmm. in things, and, and certainly you've seen the work of Minister Fraser over the last few weeks. Um, we're ready to put a lot more money on the table and a lot more solutions to push uh, provinces and cities to, to do more in terms of densification. Um, there are some very significant initiatives that we've announced very recently that, that will do that. We can't do it alone, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, provinces need to step up. Some have done better uh, than others, and I think that is something that uh, is something I believe uh, that we can all rise to the level regardless of our our political stripes. Mm-hmm. I do hesitate to blame those uh, immigrants and news- newcomers as uh, as the, the source of that. Certainly, they aren't when it comes to that generational challenge of, of a housing crunch. And I would also hasten to say that, you know, one person coming doesn't mean we need another house. Uh, if you look at international students, a lot of those are, are, are underage and they are billeted by families. There is not a linear equation that says that when I'm trying to look for a new house, it's being challenged by an international student. Um, but certainly I can't ignore volume and the challenges that that faces. But I think as a country, we can do it. Yeah. And look, and, and I think most Canadians are supportive of immigrants, but you brought up the issue of international students here uh, in British Columbia. We have about 227 educational institutions. About 27 of those are public institutions. And the highest numbers I think you're seeing in some of the colleges, 37% or so, are now international students. So our system is heavily reliant on the dollars that they spend in this country. But about 200 of them are private institutions. So people want to learn how to drive a truck, beauty schools, all those types of things. There's a lot of them. But the concern is that some of them are turning into, and have been, diploma mills. Uh, as a way to get into Canada. So then specifically when we talk about international students, is there a desire on the part of the federal government to really rethink what the system will look like moving forward? Because the jam- general perception, and I say perception uh, among British Columbians, and many of them who are immigrants themselves, um, feel that this has gotten out of hand, that we need to push back or pull back, or at least a system has to be recalibrated recal- in a way where A, they're coming here, of course, they're going to help the economy, but they also shouldn't be taken advantage of either by employers or by schools. Uh, what do you say to that in regards to just our international student system? You know, first, I'd, I'd say, as a rule, international students are uh, a huge contribution to this country. It would be hypocritical for me to suggest otherwise. I mean, half of, <laughs> I could count a dozen people in cabinet that have been, at, at including myself, that have been international students at times. Um, that being said, there, there has been challenges to the integrity of the system, in, including fraud. 
and an unhealthy ecosystem that falls short of fraud mm-hmm. uh, that has created some perverse incentives. Uh, the, un- the classic and, and historical underfunding by provinces in particular of post-secondary education has caused institu- institutions to adjust and charge four times more they would ca- charge, for example, a BC resident. Um, there are some good actors in the system. There are some bad actors in the system. Uh, UBC, for example, ha- has partnered with us and really worked on housing and uh, and, and, and is, you know, the example of an institution that is, um, is doing some really good work. Um, there are others that are not, uh, and they are hiding. And I think we need to work with provinces to start calling them out, to start looking at the work that the federal government needs to do to kind of rein this in a bit. Um, I, I can't, as the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, be everything to everyone. I should not be the post, the police the underfunding of post-secondary education, mm-hmm. but I do need to attack fraud. Uh, I do need to attack the challenges to the integrity of the system that actually um, stigmatizes those international students that are a huge contribution to the country and really work on punishing those bad actors who, as you said and alluded to, are creating at times uh, in other countries a sense of false hope mm-hmm. and the false hope that, that, um, that is entertained in order to lure people here to pay them 40 grand to become Uber drivers, which is not what we're looking for. Um, and those people should not be exploited. Minister, uh, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to having you in the studio soon. Uh, enjoy your uh, time here uh, in the Lower Mainland. You too. And just wanted to wish your listeners a great weekend.